Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, it's pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to Radio Drama Revival, the show dedicated to stories told in the medium of sound. Here, here, news, reviews, discussion, and of course, stories. I'm your host, Fred, and that great theme at music is by Roger Gregg of Crazy Dog Audio Theater in Ireland, and also in Dublin, Ireland today, it's Gareth Stack, uh, creator of Any Other Dublin, this fantastic show we've been hearing the last few weeks here on Radio Drama Revival, uh, both locally here in Portland, Maine, and online at radiodramarevival.com. Uh, Gareth, uh, tuning in from Evening in Ireland, uh, how are you doing? Great. How are you doing, Fred? Uh, fantastic. Looks like Skype is going to cooperate with us this afternoon. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, 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 how's it? How's it going? You are been working in in uh, radio and, and theater and, and that sort of thing. Do you want to just tell us a little bit about your your life there in Dublin? Uh, sure. I guess I'm I'm probably one of the few people I know of um, over here who just kind of full time makes radio drama, mostly comedy, and that's been my gig for the past two three years, I guess. You know, so so talk about the, any other Dublin. Now, I I, I want to hear about your relationship with Roger Gregg, just because Roger is one of my favorites as well. Um, but this is just a, you know, have you been doing? This is your first like comedy for radio, or you know, what what's the mix between what you've done for sort of the live environment and what you've done uh, for the radio environment? So it's funny. I actually started off doing the radio stuff um, far before I did any kind of live comedy. Um, kind of right out of college, I, I started making little kind of podcast drama series and uh, just releasing those, just doing all the voices myself and that kind of stuff. And they were kind of comedic, you know. And, and through doing that, I got involved in in performing live much later on. And I met Roger because he does he does these great live shows here with the with Crazy Dog Audio Theater and also with this Be Loud Cabaret that he has. Um, so so he's kind of known in Dublin as being this guy who puts on live radio shows more more so than for his uh, for his dramatized uh, radio work which which he did for a long time on, on, on RT kind of the state broadcaster but uh, these days he's more focused on the on the live stuff and yeah. um, so I kind of met Roger through that and then for the series that you've been rebroadcasting any other Dublin Roger was originally going to be the sound guy so that was kind of the impetus to do it all on location and everything because he has all this great equipment and experience so he was going to come and do sound engineering and then in the end he couldn't do it so yeah. <laughs> You know, it's it's funny because here in America, uh, most of us, I would say, know Roger for uh, his studio productions of Crazy Dog Audio Theater, obviously because those uh, physical theater productions don't actually make it uh, to to the U.S. Uh, so it's funny to hear kind of the the alternate perspective being you know being a local, um, and you know I think a lot of us do miss that uh, that Ro- you know what Roger was doing back when he was working for RTE, and I think that's why I was partially so excited to hear uh, what you're doing that more people are producing work that is getting outside of Ireland and getting uh, over here because uh, you know what you've done is obviously quite different than anything Roger did with Crazy Dog, uh, but it just has that you know has uh, you know this really raw kind of character to it um and it, and it's funny but you know I, i'm honestly 
you know, sort of the, the, the sort of stand up comedy routine, often it doesn't really do it for me. What I really liked about uh, your piece was the, the it's it is very character driven. I mean, it's funny, but there is a, a real sense of, of character in it. And I wonder if, if that's uh, obviously you that was your intention to do such a show, but do you want to talk about, you know, why you chose to be, you have this sort of character story driven, uh, comedy? Yeah, I suppose. Well, kind of over the last couple of years, I've been doing these uh, series and they've been, the first few were much more, I suppose, akin to what Roger, uh, does in the sense of kind of very surreal, very broad characters, kind of more satirical. And then with any other Dublin was kind of the first opportunity where, I was like, okay, I've been doing this for a little while. I have some budget. I've got some really great actors. So why don't I really try to write something that's as um, kind of cutting and true to life as as I can and see if I can do that on radio? Because, you know, writing fiction, it's it's in a way, it's easy to write something very realistic and, and very kind of dry satire. But when you when you do something on radio, obviously, you've, you've got the limited palette of just what you can hear. So it's it's easier to do things broad. And that was always what I'd, my gone-to thing. You know, you go for the big sound effects, you go for the, the big outrageous characters. But with, it, with that show, it was like the first time I, I think I'd really tried to do something very close to the bone. <laughs> yeah, and we'll, and talk about sort of pulling it together. You, you did say you got some budget. Uh, you know, I see that you're... you're a uh, little photo of your studio here on your website. It's you know, we, we lest you get too too uh, uh, you know in your imagine I mean your mind's eye. You know, you're like most of us. You've got your little studio monitor. You're editing on your laptop. You got a mixing board. Uh, do you, do you want to talk about kind of pulling together your crew? Like, did you pull in actors who were not those you'd worked with on stage, or how did you sort of pull together some people to work on this? Yeah, so actually Any Other Dublin was the first time where I used actors who weren't comedians. So uh, when I started off, as I say, I, I just kind of used myself uh, initially in my first ra few radio series, and then I pulled in friends. And then as I started doing stand-up, it was comedians. So this was the first series where I was like, um, comedians are great, but they're so flaky, I can't handle them. <laughs> so I want to work with some professional <laughs> actors. And they are, I mean, comedians, to me, um, from, from those, those I've worked with, they tend to be even better than actors at taking on a character and, and really inhabiting it and going unbelievably deep into it. But at the same time, you can't be sure if they'll turn up on the day. So with the, there's a scheme, there's a great scheme over here um, where I don't know if your listeners know, but in Ireland, as in England, if you've got a TV, you have to pay a license for the TV, like with a dog or whatever. Um, and so you can apply for some of those funds that are gathered through that license fee, even if you're totally independent from the state broadcaster. So you just need to get a, a local radio station to say, if you get funded, we'll broadcast it. So, you know, I applied for some funding and we, we got some some money to make it. So which is great because then you can pay the actors and it suddenly becomes a whole different thing from a, you know, please turn up on this Saturday afternoon. I would really like it if you did. And I can't really be angry right, if you don't. Yeah, <laughs> a little better incentive there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, fantastic. Um, and, and, uh, yeah. And, and so, and so, uh, you know, how true, how true to, to life is this? I mean, you know, some of these characters are just totally, uh, you know, wildly out there. Obviously there's a little bit of caricature, um, but you know, it's, it's surprising because there's actually quite a surprising amount of diversity um, to be the be heard about from from Ireland, you know, it's not um, you know this sort of monochrome, uh, you know, uh, Dublin of the rare old times. It's 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 a it's a much more interesting twenty uh, first century place that I, I think you're able to touch on it. And 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 there's a lot of humanness and a lot of sadness, but also also funny moments. Um, yeah, I mean, I, you get very sick even here. Our, our representations of what life is like in Dublin on our own TV channels, it, it's it often and radio as well. Obviously, it's often a very, as you say, rare old times kind of nineteenth century or early twentieth century 
view of the world. Whereas Ireland for, for you know, 20, 20 years has been a very multicultural society. We've got lots of uh, people from uh, Southeast Asia and Africa living in, certainly in Dublin where, where I live. So the portraying it as this kind of Dublin of the past is, is really dull. And, and, and I wanted to get away from that. I wanted to do something which, as you say, there are some like extreme characters and it is a lot of my sort of chips on my shoulder got poured into the, yeah. into the making of it. Yeah. But hopefully it's a little bit more diverse and a little bit more, um, true to, to, to certainly to the, the diversity of people you're, you're going to meet in, in Dublin who aren't all uh, shoemakers or whatever <laughs> other kind of cliche we think of. Yeah, and 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 the it, you know and to hear like say the immigrant experience to Ireland you know is a bit interesting you know in America you have the sort of the prototype of the American you know the Irish immigrant to America but you now have uh, folks coming from uh, North Africa and elsewhere you know continents uh, you know how do how do we how do we find love in this odd city you know and, and you know some of those some of those stories are all all quite good as well as all the odd the the oddball scenes happening in different parts of the city. Um, yeah, we, we worked actually worked really hard uh, to make sure that all the actors were playing uh, the ethnicity that they were kind of uh, representing. So mm -hmm. I kind of went out and, and, and really looked quite hard to find because uh, we do have obviously uh, we've got a large Nigerian community, for example, in Dublin, but there's not a huge amount of Nigerian actors. I think right. there's maybe four. <laughs> and and I, 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 try, I uh, auditioned all of them <laughs> that I could get right. my hands on. <laughs> And we were very lucky because actually the the girl who plays the one of the episodes, the episode I think it's six, uh, the girl who plays the protagonist in that episode, um, Dam Damwella, had actually never acted before. She just worked in the radio station where we were broadcasting, and um, the producer on the show said, "Well, you know, try her out," and she turned out to be brilliant. And uh, and and that was kind of how it had, how it went. We were very lucky. We got kind of a Polish actor to play the the, uh, the Eastern European uh, protagonist, uh, Jalita, and, and so on. And and that that I felt like you know for all that I can I can only write from my own perspective and, mm -hmm. and, and imagine other people's. But it gave it a little bit more, if not authenticity, than at least kind of uh, I don't know verisimilitude or something. Yeah, yeah. You, you, I mean, nothing it kills me more than a radio play where the the, the writer has sort of forced someone to to carry an ac accent and the. A writer and the you know the actor can't quite pull it off and it just 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 is phony and that that would really kill your story you know it just would take people out of the story and and to me uh it, the the whole the whole thing that makes these work is the fact that they uh despite the fact that they are slightly larger than life or or uh, smaller than life or whatever uh, the right analogy it is <laughs> it is very it is you know there's something very very true and gritty about it um and to touch on the field recording, do you feel like uh, th that plays a role in, in sort of the way that these, the way that the sonic character, uh, you know, did, did you feel you get a more real sound the way that you chose to record it? Absolutely, you know, and to be honest, if I could, I would do every show uh, on location. I mean, it just adds so much to it. When, when you're recording in a studio, you're essentially reading a play to Mike, you know, but when you're recording on location, it's just like making a movie. The actors have a scene, a setting that they can plant themselves in and imagine that they're there. You have the mic in a real space that reflects uh, the audio environment in a real way. And if you mic it right, it sounds like the real place. And there's really no mimicking that. You, you can even, you can go out and you can record in a studio, the vocals and go out and capture the background noise outside, but it doesn't sound the same. If you can get people in the location, it's better for them and it's better. It, I mean, this was really, this project was the most fun uh, for me of anything I've done on the radio. And I've done stuff since that hasn't had the same, you know, we were all, it was like this is spirit de corpse. We're all getting together to meet up at six o'clock in the morning and go yeah. to the location and work all day. And it felt like making a movie, you know, in the best possible way. So I would do everything like this if I could get the money to do it, you know. It does cost more though. 
Yeah, well, just because just because the time element, obviously, you don't have to uh, rent a fancy studio. Wow, <laughs> that's a little bit of a sticking point. I don't know how much I can go into it, but okay. the the way the funding works is kind of that you kind of pay for the studio even if you don't use it. Uh... So it it ends up costing more to do it on location because you need to have um, a location engineer there, whereas you can kind of do the engineering yourself in studio and so on. But uh, you kind of end up paying for the studio either way. So it's sort of it, yeah, it actually costs a lot more to do it on uh, location. That's, that's just a, the way the funding works. Yeah, that's interesting. I know I know a BBC producer who that's one of his arguments is that you know he can afford to go to, to say India or the US to do a recording because on location um, you know yeah you're not paying uh, whatever in America you can get a good rate maybe it's 65 US an hour but it adds up you know and to me all I would use a studio for is I just put a XY stereo parrot in a dead room and that's a lot of a lot of overhead mm. <laughs> you know uh, but you, you, you do you get to record you know just to, to show, talk about the studio real quick um, when I was in Dublin with Roger I got to go to one of the RTE studios and they are to their credit uh, nicely set up for radio drama. It's not just sort of a music recording studio where you've got like sort of one room to work with and a, you know a bunch of different uh, you know mics appropriate for different instruments, but you actually have like windows and doors and different sort of rooms and, and that sort of thing. Is that what you get to play with when you do have a studio <laughs> production or no? I, I, I wish. No, yeah. not at all. Um, to, to most of the stuff I've recorded, which was kind of quote unquote studio, was actually just done in, in my home. And even where, where I do have access to a studio, it's it's kind of a local radio studio, which is um, at best quiet. Yeah. <laughs> and usually yeah. not even that. So, no, I don't. I mean, Roger was very lucky at the time he was making most of his shows. So he had a great relationship with the state broadcaster here who have, you know, they have amazing facilities up, up there with the BBC kind of mm. thing but uh, I haven't had uh, had the fortune of, of working in that kind of environment I'm sure it's I'm sure it's great <laughs> yeah yeah so we're more in the more in the front lines well yeah you know like like most of the listeners to the show uh, this is going out over the air here in Portland Maine but a lot of the listeners uh, listen to our podcast which is uh, all over the world and is a, a lot of, of aspiring podcasters and I think people do sort of romanticize I mean in, in, in one sense like lots of people in America just romanticize Ireland period uh, but especially I think we all think that if we were only trying to do this in the UK or Ireland that we would have all this money because they understand radio drama it's just because here in America we've never heard of it and I don't think that's actually true. <laughs> No, I mean, like as I say, I, I, I think Rogers, Rogers' uh, situation when he was doing all those great uh, crazy dog shows back in the day was just like anybody. He he had a relationship with a producer who who happened to be kind of have sway in the station at the time, mm -hmm. and that, that's just how these things work on, on TV or radio. If you, you ha have somebody in in the station who likes your stuff, you get commissioned for a show, and if you don't, you know, you you, you go looking elsewhere. And I, I think there's actually very little. Uh, independent radio drama made here but mm. you know in fairness there is funding available so it, it's not it's not entirely untrue that maybe it's it's better uh for for radio drama here than it than it would be in the states where you kind of i guess you just have to raise your money through kickstarter or just do it for free yeah and people uh, you know there's, there's folks like myself who actually have a relationship with the radio station but plenty produced straight for the web which which has its perks uh you know you don't have to worry about runtime you don't have to worry about language but uh, you know to me there, there's still value in uh, the challenge that, okay, this has to be broadcastable to air. It means that the sound has to be of a certain quality. It means the story actually has to wrap up in a certain amount of time. Uh, I have to be careful, you know, about my language, and maybe that makes the story slightly more difficult to tell because maybe these characters would say things that the broadcasting authority does not want to hear go over their air. Uh, <laughs> I think it makes it better. You know, it makes you think that this, you know, I, I think there's a, there's a reason that radio stations our radio stations are still around. They have a, a certain amount of, of character and quality to it. So I'd be curious, I mean, just just in your stance, what it, you know, 
as someone who kind of ha- is both in the podcast and new media realm as well as these you know radio stations how what's your assessment on kind of the the health of the overall uh, broadcast media <clears throat> I mean, I don't know if I'm the right person to ask. I'm always um, Colm Coyne, who did the the sound engineering for any other Dublin. He's always teasing me because I don't I don't listen to the radio here yeah. at all. I, I, it's it's I think it's really terrible. Yeah. I, I love podcasts and I listen to to absolutely tons of podcasts. But um, uh, in terms of the the health of Irish radio, I mean, I, I I it's not fair to give an opinion. But but for me, I guess it just feels very staid and very old fashioned, kind of like the worst side of NPR. You know, NPR in the states has got or public other public radio. Radio networks got have that this great tradition of producing solid programming that fulfills the need and does things that that wouldn't get done in, on private radio or even in a podcast. But at the same time, it's pretty stodgy, yeah. you know. And we've got the same issue going over here, I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, and uh, you know that there's this we go a lot in this direction. I, I will say uh, for listeners who come back to Radio Drum Revival to get this interview, you've got a nice uh, just a little experiential story about recording on location and really funny. A uh, photo of you all in your quote unquote improvised sound booth, and by sound booth we mean a bunch of blankets <laughs> and uh, some framing. Um, but this is this is I think uh, largely how a lot of radio production is being done. You know, you're uh, it's nice that you do have the ability to get some um, financing, but uh, otherwise, I mean, the kind of the techniques, you know, finding local actors and fi- you know, uh, you know, coming up with a script and producing it, you know, uh, is is how most of this is being done. But I would say a lot of times. You know, you're you're also producing to a, a certain quality standard. You know, you've got a lot to say, which is not always the case. <laughs> what comes across my desk? Uh, I think I think you know. For, for me, I feel that the the standard, whatever standard I'm trying to get to in terms of just audio quality or dr- dramaturgy quality, is more. It's more for me to to do the best that I can and to to aspire to the kind of things that inspire me, rather than because you know the station demands it. A lot of the time that you could hand in pretty much anything the station would broadcast yeah. it because it's local radio so mm-hmm. rather than you know I, I, it's probably not true on on, on whatever great station you're on <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah well, you get it you know and and, it, and it's a lot about experimenting and trying out new technology and um and that and that and that sort of thing um and so that being said uh you know one thing is working with actors here they just have never encountered radio drama where do you at least have that going for you with that some of the actors you know, understand what a radio play is and, and um, does that help or, or hinder, you know, I could see it going either way. Like if they're an experienced voice actor, great, they're going to understand what we're doing, but maybe do they uh, tend to read their lines more than say if they, than if they'd come into it with no expectations or did you find, you know, did, how much did you have to train the actors on how you wanted this show to be performed? That's a good question. I think with with any other Dublin, I was super lucky because um, all, all, almost all the actors I, I used, um, with the exception of the the, the African uh, actors I was referring to earlier, they, they were people that Roger had worked with before, uh, Roger Gregg. So he was able to recommend me, and he he teaches in the Gaiety School of Acting, which is one of the leading schools of acting in Ireland. And so he was recommending kind of his best graduates from the last couple of years. Not a bad deal. So I had this. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I had these amazing actors who had done his radio class uh, when they were in college, and who were also cheap. So, yeah. and some of them have gone on who are already like in the in the in the months since we did the show, or, or have already done a ton of stuff on TV and done their own kind of uh, shows at festivals and stuff. And are, and are uh, at least one or two of them, I'm sure, will be very successful. And so it was, yeah, the caliber was great, and we didn't really have any kind of. Um, training period or, or time for that so they kind of sh- shot right into it and and they were they were uniformly 
great. But I think there's, it's kind of easier too when you're on location because if you've got a big boom mic and it's hanging over people, I think people know kind of intrinsically from watching movies being made and stuff, documentaries, that they, they know how this how that kind of works. Whereas if yeah. you're in a studio, you have to teach mic technique in a much more deliberative way and turn the pages in this way and so on. And it's a lot more um, artificial. So it needs more training, I think, maybe. Yeah, yeah, and I would I would say I work with a lot of actors who maybe have been in independent films, but not this kind of production. And uh, you know, a lot there is as much as uh, audio is a vocal art, it is a physical art. And actually, standing up versus sitting down, you get two different performances from an actor. And the best actors understand that, and they can sort of work a performance out of them. But if if people, you know, if you're working with folks who are not, you know, a seasoned every day of the week doing vocal training and doing all sorts of different things, then having them, no, actually you're going to run through the scene, you can get that sense of urgency out of their voice, say, more easily than you would uh, having that same actor standing around a microphone and and, hope, and, and trying, to, trying to say, no, 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 you're actually being chased by, you know, gremlins or whatever. <laughs> I think so, some of what we did in, in making the show is we really tried to kind of go beyond what was strictly necessary in order to make it sound uh, real for them as well. So, for, for example, it's one of the scenes um, in, I think it's in episode uh, four or five, the, the one which is about the social center, yeah. uh, where, the, where there's a raid on the center. And so I, I kind of, I had people physically run up the stairs playing the, the guardy, the Irish police, run up the stairs. Of the, we were recording in a real social center. They run up the stairs, <laughs> burst in the door, threw cans of, of deodorant on the ground to simulate the, I don't know, gas canisters or yeah. whatever that the police were using. And so we kind of created this chaotic um, moment. And it was one of those things where we were, Colin wasn't sure you know, if we could get the sound, if it would be too noisy and so on. But we risked it and it sounded great. And and if anything, I mean, the, any regrets I would have for the show is that we didn't bit times where we were a little bit too safe. Mm-hmm. So so we, we as much as we could, we tried to make it chaotic when we needed the chaotic energy or we needed the, like, you're falling down, so fall down, you know, yeah. <laughs> throw yourself on the floor. And yeah. the actors were really good about tolerating that kind of um <laughs> silliness yeah I, I, yeah i get that too i sometimes throw actors uh we we dunked them out of canoes into the water and some asked if that was strictly necessary <laughs> but you know um all, 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 all to make art you know actors actors do tend to be pretty hardy bunches so I, uh, to their credit uh <laughs> uh that's great well um so gareth this is uh you said you, you know you do have this nice website garethstack.com um, this obviously is a fantastic series, but you're, you know, you've got other stuff in the pipeline. You want to just talk about briefly, uh, how people can follow you and check out more of your, rec- you know, what you've been working on. Yeah, absolutely. I got I got that website, and uh, all, all the shows that I've done uh, are up on GarethStack.com for free for for download or streaming. And I've got another comedy series that I did. Just this is an in studio one this time, but that's going to be coming out as soon as the radio station deigned to broadcast it. I'll mm-hmm. be able to put it up online, and so I'm working on uh, kind of future stuff at the moment. But it'll all it'll all go up there. So uh, yeah, so I I'd be really happy for people to check it out, and I'm really glad that you rebroadcast the series because getting exposure, as as you know yourself, is this is the single hardest thing when you're in the independent media, whatever that means. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, you know, and the, the, I think us out there, the tribe of the you know internet uh, podcaster broadcasters, trying to to bring this work, you know. And like I said, like I don't get to go and fly. I see all the stuff that Roger Gregg posts about the cool, crazy shows he's doing with the Be Loud Cabaret. I don't get to go out <laughs> and see those as tempted as I am. So to hear something like your show come out of Ireland is really exciting for us. And I uh, hope that it spi- inspires other folks, you know, because you don't, you know, the one thing about radio is you don't, there, there certainly is a learning curve to doing it. But I think for a theater company, it doesn't offer this opportunity to 
uh, create a work that stays around. So if, if you know, it's more than just the, you know, obviously you, you have this wonderful experience in the theater where you're bonding with those, the audience that came out that night and you have this relationship with them, but then radio can do that, but then it, it doesn't end at the end of the show run. And that's uh, wonderful. And then we can hear it over here and be delighted to, to hear what a crazy, funky, eclectic, and, and diverse place Dublin actually happens to be. <laughs> and I didn't even have to die for, uh, for someone else to hear it. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> well, you sent, sent it in the show, I, I, and I, I appreciate that. And I, I will tell, if you're, if you're a geeky uh, producer like I am, there's some good stuff on field recording as well as building your own small studio in your apartment, dorm room, basement, whatever. And that's also at garethstack.com. Um, so Gareth, thanks so much. This is, this is a real pleasure. Uh, say hi to Roger. Yeah. Say hi to Roger for me and, and keep up uh, doing the fun stuff. Will do. Thank you. (laughs) Take care. Recording saved. Okay. That was Gareth, uh, stack, uh, of course with, um, any other Dublin, which was this uh, piece we've been playing here for the last few weeks on radio drama revival. Um, any other Dublin, uh, make, make sure I get that right. Um, the place I, thing I was just shopping was uh, garethstack.com. There's also anyotherdublin.wordpress.com or this show, Radio Drum Revival. In addition to being uh, broadcast here on WMPG, is podcast at radiodramarevival.com and has archives there. Um, and now, this is the now for something completely different radio show. Uh, we have uh, Diane Vallon, the sound artist here. Um, she is uh, staying off mic, but she has told me about this really cool event um, happening this weekend um, this Saturday the main narrow gauge railroad company and museum will bid farewell to engine number four at the Portland Maine waterfront it's a 1918 steam locomotive will make its final run on Saturday and then be out of service for repair uh, so producer Diane Ballin Diane Ballin captured the sounds of the engineers firing her up and checking all systems in preparation for the final run so this is some lovely audio this one recorded on location but here in Portland and not um, in Ireland, as wonderful as Ireland is. Uh, so we've got two and a half minutes of that, and then we'll close out this show. This is at the Maine Narrow Gauge Railroad Company Museum in Portland, Maine. And we are preparing this locomotive for its farewell tour, so to speak, which will be held Saturday, March 29th, 2014. So next weekend we're having an event we're going to put together some historic train consists, some freight cars, um, some of the more historic passenger cars. And so today we're, we're getting the steam engine ready for that. And this is our 1918 built steam locomotive. There were a whole system of narrow gauge railroads that operate in the state of Maine from the late 1800s into the mid 1900s. Right before World War II, a lot of them pretty much closed up shop. So the collection that's here represents a good portion of what is left of one of those railroads called the Bridgeton Harrison. The one that's operating today is Monson Railroad, which was actually one of the longest running of the narrow gauge lines before it closed shop. Yeah, we're located on the Eastern Prom in Portland, Maine, right on the waterfront. Or basically the entire trip, you see either land or it's Casco Bay. It's not so much a love, it's a passion passion for steam. You have to really have to really sacrifice a lot of things to be able to do this. So I come up here once or twice a month to work on these and try to keep them as best conditions we possibly can so that everybody gets a chance to enjoy them. This is actually the last year that it can run until we do a full inspection and overhaul. So it's kind of a, a way to celebrate the last few days operating. 
my first enjoyment of these locomotives was actually when they were in Massachusetts. Some long cold nights around the cranberry bogs in Carver. Listening to this one and her three sisters going around the bogs. That's that's where I got hooked. And right now we're just about finishing up to put her away for today. And the great thing about it is no two whistles are alike. Everyone's different and every person who's behind the cord is different. They all have their own unique sound. It used to be said that you could tell when your dad was coming home, if he was an engineer, you'd be able to tell it was his train coming in, how the whistle sounded. Hear its pitch, how he pulled the cord, all those things. And that was Farewell to Number 4, produced by sound artist Diane Ballin. You can bid farewell to Engine Number 4 this Saturday, March 29th, with special events including night photo shoot. Night photo shoot sounds cool. To capture the historic locomotive, more information, visit the Narrow Gauge Railroad Company Museum's website at mainnarrowgauge.org. Click on Farewell to Number 4. Thank you, Diane. And that's a wrap for Radio Drum Revival. Coming up with Matt with The Rhythm of the One on WMPG just after this. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.